On Kaida, we are on our way to the Stephen Coast Tapping Live in the Moment Tour uh, in Lancaster, Pennsylvania at uh, Calvary Church. And we are going to be interviewing Stephen uh, in about 20 minutes, and hopefully we get there soon. If we don't, we're going to miss it, and he's going to miss that. I think we hope he can miss that. Maybe he wouldn't. Anyway. Well, this record was a real uh, interesting journey um, and you having listened to my records for years know that themes and thematic sort of albums are something I I love to do I think it just for me who is uh, I'm a guy that can kind of go all over the map you know with writing I mean, I'll bring 30 to 40 ideas in for an album and um, even Brown Bannister, you know, great friend, amazing producer, worked with me for years. He often said that, you know, Stephen doesn't really need a producer as much as he needs an editor. Because he <laughs> said he he has plenty of ideas. It's just a matter of helping him edit the ideas down to the best of the 40. How do you get to the 10, you know, best or whatever. And that is totally true. I mean, he really nailed it. And he's so wise and so, you know, he's just a great producer. And that way he really looks into the heart of the artist and knows how to help you know, help shape it, and um, because I, I have so many ideas, and that's why themes, I think, even for me, albums have been one of the ways that God has kept me from, you know, going crazy artistically, because it's like, okay, here's the theme, now now that gives you a, you know, sort of a, a way to border in all your ideas, you know, and does it fit into these borders, sort of, so to speak, and um, um, this album was really difficult in that way, because I kept sort of waiting for the theme to emerge you know all yeah. things new was came out of a series of sermons my pastor was preaching and it just it started all these ideas started to kind of you know revolve around that theme and of course you know I started that whole theme writing thing with the the sake of the call record which was inspired from Dietrich Bonhoeffer's cost of discipleship book you know so it's always either been a, it seems like a book or a like a, a series of sermons or experience of life something that sort of helps to find the theme and with this one there was so much going on, and there was no lack of inspiration. I mean, I traveled with my family to Africa, to China, of course, adoption and orphans and, you know, all that stuff. There was, there was inspiration all around, but to, to really identify what the theme was was, was uh, difficult and became really, uh, I began to kind of freak out a little bit about it because I was kind of like, where's God, you know, is this your way of saying I'm not ready to make a record yet? Do I wait on that theme or do I, do I forge ahead? without knowing really what that is and just and and then in the midst of all of that I was really kind of um, overwhelmed with this sense of what is you know right now with the industry and so much changing you know this this idea of just a lot of different people with ideas and input about what Stephen Curtis Chapman should be doing at this point in his career record company you know I'm entering in my 20th year I've done 15 albums with him or whatever and and this, in fact, was the last record under my current deal with EMI. So there's a lot of sort of, you know, pressure on this needs to really kind of deliver. And the industry's going through a weird time. And, you know, all things new, you know, critically received well, didn't sell as many records as, you know, the record company would have hoped or expected. Yeah, I did. Boy, <laughs> did I ever. It's like, what? Um, but, you know, so there's all kinds of people management and record company well-meaning wonderful great people 
but they all got opinions about what you did wrong and right and how you should fix it or how you should, you know, do this or that. And so for me, being a guy who's very, I want to keep everybody happy. I want everybody to like what I do, you know, that I'm trying to figure all that out. And, and that becomes the, I've used this term before, the paralysis of analysis for me. And I'm looking so hard at everything and listening to all the voices and all the input, radio, retail, do this, don't do that, here's what's working, here's what's not, that all of a sudden I'm just going, oh, man, I don't even, God, I don't know how to take this inspiration and turn it into songs because I'm so, you know, I'm so torn about how I should even proceed, you know, what that next step ought to look like. And so in the midst of all that, I really did. I mean, there was a, 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 a little bit of time of almost just kind of shut down creatively because I just didn't know where to where to go and then I'm waiting for a theme to emerge in the midst of all that to help me define it and finally I just had this sense that God was saying you I'm I'm telling you to move forward creatively and start making this record even though you don't know what the theme is and that really was the theme I think what I began to realize is I think God was saying this is a journey of faith this is one that um you know, I, I, well, I, I've shared before, and you probably maybe even read in the material press, material or whatever that that there was a, that verse in Revelation that I came across that was kind of as big of a sort of push that I felt like I got from the Spirit was that verse in Revelation: "Write the things that you have seen." I felt like God was saying, you know, I don't want you to wait for a theme or or whatever, but I want you to just write what you've seen and what you've experienced experienced a lot of things just just start talking about that and writing about it so you know i wrote the song the first song for the record was cinderella which is kind of weird because you know i wrote that song and it was very moving but i thought god after everything i've seen and you know experienced worship in asia with philippines and different places and i'm like i thought there was going to be a more of a a worship theme kind of woven in real organically not hey i need to write a worship album because (laughs) that's what's working i mean and that's why i've stayed so yeah I've, i've resisted that so much you know, because of the motivation not being pure, and, and yet right. all of a sudden I felt like, hey, this would really be pure, and because I've I've connected with something I've never connected with, and and that was in Asia particularly. But even with that, then I write this Cinderella song. I'm like, God, I didn't expect that, you know. And that's is that is that even belong on my next record? Is that what people expect? Is that what they're you know? Is all this stuff again? And finally, I just kind of thought, well, that's what I'm experiencing. That's where I'm living. Maybe that's what I'm supposed to write. And that's what I felt like I said, yes. You know, just keep moving forward in that. And so it was interesting. That was the first song. And then as the record began to develop, and and I went, you know, to L.A. and we tracked a bunch of songs and, you know, got these amazing players, Abe Laborio Jr. and all these great guys, and came back to Nashville and working with a new producer, Bron, Matt Bronlewee, and, you know, loving it, but also freaking out because it's totally different, his approach to making records and, you know, you get pieces all over the place, and, you know, I'm kind of like going, you know, I'm used to doing it this way, you know, and you kind of know the course you're going, and he's just like assembling all these little pieces everywhere and musically, and and uh, the in the process of all of that, I we had, we had tracked and done, you know, 18, 17 songs, I think, at this point, and um, I, I had this, this thought and this idea that kind of kept in the back of my mind of this thing of, I really think what God has been teaching me in this whole process is about just showing up in the moment. Because I was writing, you know, you're being loved right now at this very moment. And then I've written the song, you know, about walking the streets of London and God saying, right now in the midst of this, 
I'm telling you, it's all mine. I'm in control of everything. Quit. Don't stress. Don't worry. Just, just, you know, find me in this moment. And I had even written a song called Find Me that I that ended up not on the record. But it was the same theme. It was, you know, find me in the orphanages in China. Find me in the military bases in Korea where, where you met, you know, you met people there that, you know, revealed more of my heart. Find me in the day-to-day stuff with your family, in the stuff, you know, the, the big moments, the, the low moments. And that was where I think that then the song, you know, Miracle of the Moment, kind of came out of that. And as I was writing that song, I thought, this is the theme. This is what God's been teaching me all along. You know, just show up and be present right here where I put you. Don't try to figure out the next 20 years. Don't do too much looking over your shoulder because this is 20-year mark, you know, 1987's first record. So there's a lot of that playing in my head too, you know. So I think God was just saying, I really just want you to be to be present in this moment and the good ones, the bad ones, all that. And uh, I'm still trying to learn it. You know, it's like I wrote the album and this is always the way God does it with me. You know, it's like I write the record, you know, I write dive in, you know, and I write, you know, saddle up your horses, take the great adventure. And then it's like after I write it, God says, okay, let's go to China and adopt three babies. And I'm like, oh, you mean like I wrote in that song? You want me to actually live it now? You know, it's like, I thought I just got to write the theme songs. I didn't know I actually got to. But that's so now I'm learning to live in the moment, you know, even even now. So, yeah, Run Home was actually it's weird. Run Home was written for a movie called Hidalgo that no was a way. Disney movie. Yeah, from I like, did you see it? Yeah, yeah. Viggo really Mortensen and all yeah. that. Yeah. Okay, well, I was sent I was sent the script of that movie, and a good buddy of mine at Disney said, Hey. Um, we're doing this movie, and you're you're the guy to write the you know the, the end title song for this. I just believe it. So he sent me the the, the script, and uh, I read it, and wrote "Run Home." You know, I mean, obviously, the for me the movie, you know, the the whole theme of the the deal was you know this guy re, kind of going back home, you know, to who he really was, and yeah. this prodigal journey. And so yeah. I thought, man, for me, this is kind of the prodigal son journey. So I'm going to write that song and see what they think, you know. And uh, and they sent me, it was really cool because they sent me um, the score, some some cues from the score that uh, James Newton Howard did, and you know, and they were like, here's early stuff nobody's even heard, write it around that theme, and gave me all this stuff. And wrote that and and it actually got right down to the wire and it was going to be the end title i was finally going to get my end title on a movie and um and then the the director decided to pull all all music and just use score at the end so so it dropped off so then we tracked it for the all things new record and then it got left off of the all things new record at the last minute and and so, it would have fit on there too, yeah, yeah, it would have been it would, and it was because it was tracked in with all that stuff. And so, anyway, it it just was one of those things that kind of floated out there, you know, for a while. And then when they started looking at the iTunes exclusive and what are we going to give iTunes and all yeah. that, they said, "What about?" I said, "What about Run Home?" Because I keep thinking, people, I want people <laughs> to hear that there. song. Yeah. You know, it's, I think it's a great I song. It. I mean, I, I really, I thought it was really strong. And so they used that for that. Beautiful scars. And I don't know if you've heard Proud or heard What I'm Fighting For. Because no. we tracked three more. Um, I should get you a bootleg copy before you go, and you should check them out. Yeah. <laughs> I would love yeah. it. Yeah, because there's two more. I wrote a song for my sons, actually, called Proud, that I love. I mean, I, it, it was so hard to leave those off the record. The record company just said, look, we're gonna, we, we want to put 11 songs on the record. You know? And I was like, okay. you know. And so what? it's like Sophie's Choice. What, you know, who? 
who dies and who lives. You know, you got to sit there and go, well, I can't lose that one. Well, I can't let that one go. And they came back and they made their suggestions and and um, and I, you know, so I just it was one of those deals that we just kind of had to make some calls and I hate it. I mean, for me, beautiful scars is probably that was one of the most significant messages of the record. I mean, that was a very strong, you know, lyric for me. I just I felt very important, that that was a real important thing to say. I wrote it with Jeff Moore, actually. Jeff oh, wow. co-wrote that with That's me. Cool. And um, it was originally a whole different song. In fact, the lyrics were originally a whole different song um, called uh, the, one, the One That I Love. And I just kept having this thing of beautiful scars. The more and more people I meet, especially that work with orphans, I keep finding these amazing people that have this, these, these deep wounds, you know, on, on their soul, and yet they're the people that are working with these kids, you know. And but those two, you know, both were, were ones that were really hard, you know, to not have on the record. But, um, and then there's, there's a song, actually, it's just weird, it's weird stories. I wrote a song. I've actually not even told anybody this yet. I don't think because I don't know how people will perceive it once I tell them. I was I got a call from Clay Aiken looking for songs for wanting songs for his new record. Actually, his manager, and then they said Clay would like to talk to you, and he loved your music. So always loved your writing, and so we got on the phone and I said, Well, if I were to write a song for you, what do you want to talk about? And he said, Well, I've got a brother that just went to Iraq. And uh, I wish I had a song to sing about, somehow about that. And uh, just about his family and all that. And I thought, man, I'd just been to Seoul, Korea to visit with a bunch of troops there. And I'd been to Bethesda Naval Hospital to visit with Marines there. He'd just come back from Iraq. I get regular letters and emails from a helicopter pilot who's in Iraq. And he sends me pictures and he kind of tells me how much my music's meaning to him, encouraging him. And I just thought, man, if you know, if anybody ought to be saying thank you to those who really defend the freedom that we enjoy, the religious freedom particularly, it ought to be Christians. And so I, so I wrote a song called What I'm Fighting For about family and, and uh, very non, non-political thing, but just says this is, I'm fighting for, you know, my family and this is my job and I'm not a hero. It's all the things guys tell me that are there. They're real, you know, saying we're not heroes. We're just doing our job. We're just doing what... You know, and we just, you know, we want to see this thing over as much as anybody, more than anybody, probably. But, um, and and I wrote that song, and it, um, for the idea being maybe this is something Clay would want to use. I sent it to him. He and his manager loved the song, and at the same time, Clive Davis said, "I want it to be a love song album of covers." And this was the last record he did. Uh-huh. So it was like, so this song will not fit on that record. And so it was another one of those where I thought, man. I wonder if I could actually put this on my record. So I tracked it, we recorded it, and I've sung it a bunch of places, and people, you know, just, it's really a pretty powerful song, but it was one of those that I thought, I'm going to use that as a bonus cut, because I don't know if it belongs on a Stephen Curtis Chapman record or not. So the plan is, in January, all those are going to come out on a deluxe edition record. So they will all be available, but it's just... It'll, it won't be until, I think, January or February they're going to re-release like a special edition or something. Oh, okay. So That's cool. They will be there eventually. Isn't there a special edition now, or did they There's a that? Yeah, no, no, there is. It's, it, I can't even keep them all straight. I think the one that's out now that has acoustic versions of yeah. some of the songs 
is the special edition, and I think after the first of the year is the deluxe edition. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. Have some gold plating or something on that. I don't know. <laughs> like, it kind of gets goofy after a while, but it's like the record company saying, hey, this is, you know, repositioning and all this. I'm like, okay. As long as everybody gets to hear the songs, because right. I really think Proud and Beautiful Scars and What I'm Fighting For are three very pretty powerful songs, so I'm, I'm excited to see what people think of awesome I mean uh, you uh, you haven't seen them probably play with me we were on Winter Jam together I don't think we got we, around last here time, um, I'm trying to think the last time I saw you was the All Things was New was it All Things New yeah okay yeah um, man they have gotten so good in the last just couple of years especially Will my drummer son 16 year old and the music I mean obviously you know stuff like You're Being Loved and Children of God and, you know, Hillsong United influenced yeah. stuff or, you know, all that is very much from just listening to music with my sons. That's because cool. I love the stuff that gets them excited about music, but also, you know, music that honors the Lord. And oh, yeah. I love when they get connected to that. And, you know, so that was, I think, one of the things about this record that I wanted to, I wanted to include, you know, in this was just them in some way in a way that, you know, again, was real natural, hopefully, and organic, and not, man, Chapman's going trying to be way younger than he is or whatever, but just stuff that feels real natural for me. And having them involved was like, it was the coolest thing ever. And being on tour with them is amazing. I mean, again, to have my, you know, look up there and have my two sons on stage every night is just like the coolest thing in the world, you know. I'm just so blessed to get to I bet you never thought it would happen when you used to... You know, when they were no, little, no. And you talk about them. Yeah, I used to talk about them all the time. Because yeah. I always thought, by the time they're good enough to play music on stage with me, I'm going to be so uncool to them that it's like, <laughs> Dad, we love you as a dad, but, you know, your music's just not quite cool enough for, you know, but they're like, Dad, this record rocks. You know, they're like my biggest fans, awesome. you know. And here's my son, Will, you know, he bought the Thrice CD a couple of days <laughs> ago, you know, listening to Under Oath. And, you know, they go to the Chariot concert. I mean, wow. this is a great story. In, in Nashville, we've got we've got um, uh, Rocket Town, you know, yeah, the thing where and there's there. bands awesome. coming all the time, and then my boys go see bands there all the time. You know, they go see the Chariot and go see all these bands, and you know, I tolerate the screamo thing. I can't I, I can't even really tolerate it, but I'm like, okay, I don't want a steady diet of that. It's okay if you I'm guys not, need I'm to get your. Oh, I just the hardest I go is like yeah. Project 86. But okay, yeah, yeah. I, but I like the double kick stuff, and I mean, yeah. Will just loves it. And he's 16. It's like. <laughs> The noisier, the better. So they go to this show to see the chariot. They get backstage with some buddies and these guys, because they're real good buddies with uh, with one of the guys in uh, Red. Is uh, okay. Lamb uh, Hunter Lamb Hayden Lamb is actually in that yeah. band. Hunter Drummer is Lake, his twin brother. Yeah, yeah, his twin brother was in Paramore for a while. The, the deluxe edition of that. Okay, band. okay, yeah. <laughs> well, so so they're we're good, but I mean, we they grew up with our kids and the Lamb oh, brothers. Cool. They're twin boys, and. Um, so they got him backstage. I think they were hanging out there. And the chariot guys find out that they're my sons, and they're just freaking out, like, "Settle up, yours!" Like they're singing the Great Adventure to my boys. So my sons came home, was like, "Dad, did you know the chariot are like fans of your music? They grew up listening to your music, man." They and they said, "That's so cool." So they just, yeah, that made me cool to my to Will, especially my son. That's awesome. So it's so funny to find out these guys that will come up and go. You really influenced us, you know, and and you know here's our new record. You know, I put it on. It's like <laughs> I'm thinking, I influenced that. How did that happen? So 
It's like it's so funny. But anyway, I'm live like, when yeah. there's feedback in between songs. They're like, that's what we. That's want. what we want. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. it's amazing.